Welcome to the Interns Hope Church Run the Podcast. I'm Jesse Brumfield. And I'm Isaac Little. We are two Americans living on mission in Wales. And we're uh, both inviting you guys to uh, walk with us as we talk about what it is and what it looks like to be life on mission in another country. Okay, and we're recording. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, welcome. We have another podcast episode with Isaac Missing. He is still in America celebrating his brother's wedding. So in light of that, I asked my dear friend Alexis to come on. So Alexis is here with us. Exciting. Hi, (laughs) y'all. I love the y'all. Everybody here is like, oh my gosh, you say y'all all all the time. I'm like, because it makes sense. It Um, does. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm super excited. I have like wanted to record an episode with you basically since we started the podcast. And I've mentioned you on a bunch of episodes, especially like the beginning ones when we were going through like what it was to like come here and the decision making process. So it feels like, you know, you kind of been on, but now you're like really <laughs> on. <laughs> I feel so honored. <laughs> so, um, the audience has probably already heard you've got an American accent. You are my friend from home. So can you give us just a little bit like who you are, where you live, how old you are, that kind of thing? Okay. Uh, I am Alexis Crosby. I am from Jacksonville, Florida, but I am currently living in North Atlanta with my family. Um, I have been here since about May, so still trying to adjust to Georgia life. Um, I am 22 years old and I currently am uh, coaching volleyball while in Georgia and also going back to school to get my master's in education. So exciting. Yay. <laughs> um, and so people will have heard if they've listened to those episodes where I mentioned you that we became friends in the season directly leading up to each of us deciding to move to another country on mission. And so obviously you are now in Georgia, but earlier this year and what your plan, tell us what your plan for 2020 was. I think we all had a better and different plan for 2020 yeah. than what happened. Yeah. Um, but in this time last year, actually, is um, when I decided to, I was going to move to Costa Rica in the beginning of 2020. Um, and so I did. I moved to Costa Rica in February of 2020. And that was my plan was to, my plan was to be there for at least a year, but I really was open minded and hands were open to however long it was going to be. Um, I didn't realize that however long was going to be a lot shorter. Yeah, um, 2020. But um, I was ready to be in Costa Rica as a um, children's director for at least 2020 into 2021. Yeah. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> yeah, That's funny. I never like as you were saying that I never put it together because you were like, so super open to whatever the timing was. But like, I don't think any of us thought that that timing was going to be less than a year. No, I don't even think I realized that until just saying it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like crazy. I I really was open to however long, but didn't think about it being less than a year. Yeah. So you and I met just like a like a year and a half ago, like February January twenty nineteen or February. Maybe it was somewhere around there. So almost two years. Because we're about yeah. yeah, I would say about a year, almost two years ago. Yeah. And it was in Maria's disciple group. So you had been on mission with Maria in 2018 to yes. yep. to Panama. Where? To Panama. Panama. Yep. And so a bunch of that team had come to her disciple group and I knew Maria from serving at Mandarin. And so that's how I ended up in that disciple group. And then I don't know. I don't even know like I think it took a couple weeks, but it was only a couple weeks in when like both of us were, I feel like we're both kind of like more quiet observers at first, like in a new group like that Mm -hmm. or in a new setting. And 
like, so I remember it took both of us a, a, a little while to like open up, but once we both started opening up is when we just like connected on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it was crazy. Cause I remember, I remember the first night that we like, Oh, started opening up about stuff. And I want to say it was about like past relationships or something. Cause yeah. I had just gone through a breakup. So like we were talking about relationships and guys and stuff. And I remember that's when we like connected, but then closely after that is when you were struggling about going to whale on your yeah. mission trip on just your first trip ever. And I remember like when we really connected was after group one night, I stayed back and like me and Maria like prayed over you. And got you like, and all like got gifts. And that's when it really started like connecting like closely, but it was like slowly, but I agree. It was like, we didn't talk really at all for a few weeks. And then when we started talking, it was just like, oh, it's done from there. Yeah. I'm not a person who tends to like have really fast friendships like that, where it feels like, like you just know that that person's going to be around for a while. And it just like, it just was a, it was a fast friendship. And Mm -hmm. so I was going to Wales in May, but like y'all were there with me over that sort of that whole process. Mm -hmm. And like apply, I think I had applied, but like I was preparing to go. Mm -hmm. And then y'all had a trip like a month after, right? Yeah. We went like, yeah, so we went to Costa last year, like three weeks after you went to Wales. I That's say. right. Because I know I was back. I was back from my trip when we like commissioned y'all at that yeah. group meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yep. whatever y'all. So we both went on short-term mission trips in 2019 to the places that we ended up going on long-term mission to. Yep. And the reason I wanted to bring up like the way that we came into each other's lives. And you and I have talked about this a bunch is just like how kind God was in, I think, bringing us both into each other's lives in this like totally random occurrence of both joining the same disciple group. And then like this decision-making process of going on long-term mission, like just who would have thought that like, I mean, there's not that many people in our church, even though it's huge, that go on long-term mission and like we ended up in the same disciple group <laughs> it was so crazy like I we like Jesse said like we talk about this all the time about how like how uncommon it is that we got to walk through the journey together and are still walking through it together like yeah. we never we're just like so grateful for the Lord that he even allowed our friendship to start and then allowed us to literally walk through the decision making together the process of moving together. Like it was so timely and in order with each other. And it still blows my mind. Like I tell people all the time and I'm like, there's literally no other explanation than God because we could not have planned that on any level of us from the very beginning before we even ever went or have decided to go on mission. So it's crazy. Yeah. But like just one of the best gifts. It's like just been so great. Um, For real. (laughs) Would you like to share a little bit about your decision making and going to Costa Rica? You did things, I mean, like even though we were on this journey together, um, you did things differently. Like you, for example, you went to Costa Rica for six weeks last year before you committed to going longer term than that. So just like talk a little bit about what that decision was like. Yeah. So when I went, on that week trip that Jesse was just talking about the um just with a team um when I was there well right before I left all my plans had just crashed and burned (laughs) I just graduated college and I was planning on becoming a teacher and it just crashed and failed and I was like all right God please show me what to do in this in this trip show me what's next and so while I was in Costa Rica he basically I tell people he smacked me in the face because there's no other way to explain it and one day he gave seven different um coincidences of telling me that I needed to commit my life to missions and so I did that in that trip I said all right Lord like I'll do missions but I don't know what that means like what does that mean right now Mm -hmm. and so when I came back to America and really started praying through it I felt that he was leading me to go back by myself for a shorter or for a shorter than long-term experience, but longer than short-term. So like a six week, eight week 
trip to just basically determine like see what a day-to-day life of a missionary is because it's completely different than a trip and um just see then all right lord what are you telling me to do is it costa rica is it somewhere else is it missions in america like what are you telling me to do and so in that trip after a lot of hard praying and in the word and after basically having to let go because i just wanted him to tell me a decision when i wanted to hear it he finally told me at the end of that um six weeks that like this is where I'm calling you to. And it was through the relationships I made with the people in the ministry that I was working with um, called Six Eight Ministries. And with working through them and the relationships and the people, it was just very, very clear to me that God was like, this is where I'm calling you to. And so when I came back from that short trip, that six week trip, is when I had to start the process of, okay, how do I move to a different country? How do I do this alone? Um, I was planning on getting a dog. And so I was like, (laughs) how do I do this with a dog? Because I was very like adamant about it because it's something just so common in missionary world is being alone and feeling alone. Even when you have a lot of people around you, it's still that feeling. And so I wanted to bring my dog with me to help with that. And so just that whole process of, determining all of that. So I basically sold 75% of my things, sold my car, sold everything. And like all your furniture, literally everything, like everything I owned, I um, sold at least like 70% of my clothes. Cause I was like, I'm not going to need all I need is shorts and t-shirts in Costa yeah. Rica. Cause it's hot 24 seven. Yeah. So, and there's nothing to dress up for. <laughs> Yeah, I'm never dressing up for anything. Like, I'm never, I don't even bring makeup. Like, there's literally nothing I needed for that time when I knew I wasn't going to need it. Me thinking for at least a year. So, yeah, I sold everything, even down to my car, which was crazy. But, um, yeah, then stayed with my parents for a little while, couch hopped for a little, for a while um, with my dog half of the time. He was couch hopping with me, which is an interesting experience. Um, and then lived with my parents for a little bit here in Georgia and then moved in February. That's how all that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Tell the story of like, before y'all left, like what happened while you were on the short term trip and like the different signs that you kept getting while you were there. Yeah. So like the first trip, the, so it was one day I had woken up and we were doing our like quiet times in the morning before we were about to go do out the mission projects. And this was probably, I want to say it was the fifth or sixth day of the trip. So it's almost over. And I just felt like that day, cause I've already been like, it's not a coincidence, but God had been placing the word missions in my life for months, even like to the point where someone unrelated in my life who actually doesn't even follow the Lord came to me months prior and was like, I think you should be a missionary, which is just weird. Cause I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so, no, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm good. Well, and you, um, maybe this context would help too. You had been serving in the church missions office for a while, right? I don't know how yes. long. Yeah. I forgot about that. They, um, for, I say like three years, um, I oh. was kind of, yeah, just kind of thrown into, um, Jesse Stallnaker, who's one of our close friends, who's in charge of missions, like short-term missions, she um, needed help. I'd never met her before, just started going to 1122, and I was looking for somewhere to serve, and I didn't feel like reach team and like welcoming people was what I was feeling called to. I felt like mm-hmm. it was something different. And so started serving randomly without knowing anything about missions, never gone on a mission trip before. And that's when I started serving with the mission department at our church. Yeah. And so... I served there for up until I left for Costa Rica. I was serving in missions consistently. So there was definitely like missions was always on the mind. Yeah. And now past that and like talking to our friend, Jesse Stallnaker and her being like, I had a feeling for a while, (laughs) like just hearing how these people say like after the fact, but on the trip, I was just praying, Lord, like I had already been praying about missions. And I was like, God, like, I need you to tell me clearly, like, is this what you're telling me to do? Um, cause I felt like it was just constantly getting brought up like every, um, like sermon, every quiet time, like every time someone would sing a song, I don't know. It was just crazy how missions yeah. was like constantly being brought up. 
and the thought of like letting go the control of knowing, which is like super difficult to do. And so I, that morning was just praying that. And so we go out to the field and we're um, serving these um, homeless communities and like going and praying over people and delivering food. And I go into this house where it was a, like an older lady and we're praying over her. And um, one of the guys of the ministry, six, eight ministries came up to me and I don't know, I say it's the Lord told him to say this because I, there's no reason he would know anything to say this. Um, but he just came to me and he was like, How you, how's your heart doing? I was like, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> I was like, um, it's doing okay. He's, and I was like, why? And he was just like, you know, I felt like I needed to come tell you that you need to let go of that control and go on mission. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, <laughs> Who do you think you I was, Yeah, I was hit with a ton of bricks. Like, it was ridiculous. And so that wrecked me. Like, my, I was not in a good state after that. And so um, Maria, who we've been talking about, who was leading that trip, she could tell I wasn't okay. And she came up to me and she's like, what's going on? And I explained it to her and she like tapped me on the face. She's like, what else do you need God to do to slap you in the face? Like he's <laughs> trying to tell you something. And I was like, I just need to pray about it. You know, the typical excuse we give when we don't want to do something. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the house later that afternoon and I'm like crying and immediately like I was just not good. And um, I was like, grab my Bible. And I was like, all right, Lord, like show me what you want me to see. What scripture do you want me to see? I'm like journaling. And I'm look. there's this room that's in the six, eight house. And on each wall, there's different verses. And each um, room or each wall had different mission verses, basically. Well, as I'm praying, all right, Lord, like, please show me what you want me to do. Like, show me what scripture to read. I look up, I'm sitting on this wall. I look straight ahead of me and Isaiah 6, 8 is on the wall. And so I got to read it. I'm pulling it up. Um, It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And I was like, "Uh, okay, like, (laughs) I I don't take coincidences as coincidences. Like I say, it's the Lord. And like the fact that I'm sitting in this room and asking the Lord to show me like, what do you want me to read? And I look up and it's this Bible verse. And so that was like strike number two. Like that was the second thing of the day that I was like, all right, Lord, like, what are you trying to do? Me being stubborn was like, nope. I still need more proof. And so that, of um, of course. So then that night we, um, had a, like a mini message by the guy Spencer who leads the ministry. And so he preaches a message on going on mission and being open-minded and open-hearted to going and just going to wherever the Lord has you. So obviously I'm like, eh, I hear you, but I don't still think so. And so then what really got me was that night we happened to um, one of the other leaders of our trip, um, Trey Curry, who was on staff at 1122. He had access to our pastor's sermon that we had missed that week because we were in Costa Rica. So he's like, who wants to listen to the sermon that we missed? And we're like, oh yeah, let's listen to it. So we listened to it and it's all about putting your yes on the table and letting go of all of these things that you think you're doing with your life and just being open-minded and open-hearted to like where he has you. And that was it. I was like, all right, God, like, I hear you. I finally hear you after the like fifth thing that you've told me to do. Um, and to just like put a cherry on top as I'm journaling that night, the ministry is called six, eight ministries and the date was June 8th. So it's six, eight. And I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is it. Like, I see you guys. And so that was different. That was like really a hard emotional day and scary. Um, and into like that night on our small group time, I like told our team what I was feeling. And that was like super nerve wracking because now people were holding me accountable to like what I was feeling. But it was also freeing at the same time to feel like, all right, God, like I finally hear you. I'm finally saying yes to what you're wanting me to do and so it was hard but it was also a really good day too I just think it's so cool how like because I had some of the same experiences where it was just like really tangible signs that feel so kind of God to give us it's like that reassurance and yeah I just yeah he's he knows now that he's got to like really show me because I'm just too hard headed. <laughs> and so he's good at doing that for me now when I, 
struggled beforehand. So. And I think that that sermon is the same one that like, that I heard and was like, oh no, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to Wales. <laughs> I remember that because it, the sermon was preached only like two weeks after you came back. Yeah. And so when I was in Costa Rica. So it was so crazy. Like I remember us talking about it when I got back and you being like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> like that was what started us like on the same path, which is crazy. But yeah. cause it was so like, we didn't even know it until we came to each other with already like what we were doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I remember coming back from my short-term trip and being like, ha guys, I got a job offer. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, Look at you now. <laughs> I know. Oh, goodness. Okay, so that's like a little peek into your discernment process of going, like the decision to go to Costa Rica. So what was your life like in Costa Rica when you were there? And spoiler alert, you did get the dog and Boone is adorable and Boone went with you to Costa Rica. But yes, just a little bit about what life was like there. Yeah. Um, Boone is the cutest thing in the world and he's my life. So I'm so glad he Um, went with me. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll put his uh, Instagram handle in the show notes. So yes. Go follow, <laughs> go follow him. Um, he has a better Instagram than I do. So he, so my process in Costa Rica. So I obviously had my dog, which was very interesting because he was three months old. I want to say when we moved. So training a puppy in a different country was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. But Living there, basically what, um, just to kind of give some background on like what six, eight ministries, um, I guess what it looks like is um, at the time it was having three locations with 2020 and just like budget and everything. We've had to go down to only two locations, but it was in um, Horqueta de Serapiqui, which is a small little mountain town in Costa Rica. It's about two and a half hours away from San Jose, which is the capital, like where the airport is and everything. And then the other location is in Alajuelita, which is in San Jose, where the uh, airport is and everything. So it's all that's it's all right near there. And then the other one's farther away. Mm-hmm. So it's completely two different types of ministries. One, the one in the city is obviously in the middle of the city and it's more centered on the homeless population and like feeding centers and stuff like that. Well, the one in the mountains, which is like in the middle of nowhere is more centered on like children's ministry and um, starting an orphanage type of program, basically, and starting like a children's ministry on the property, which was called the ranch at the time. And so when I went and visited the year before last year to figure out kind of what God was telling me to do, I could tell he was calling me to the ranch and to lead the children's ministry. And so when I moved there, I was already in preparation of um, basically revamping our entire children's program that is called El Pozo, which is the well in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so we had a site where like kids came every day to get a Bible lesson and like just get loved on where any kid could come, like it didn't matter. And we, um, and then I taught the lesson in Spanish and also just played with them and whatnot. So that was my big responsibility was, um, running that program and creating like lesson plans and all of the things that had to do with children, basically to the point where like some kids would come on our property and I would tutor them some days and stuff like that. So that was my like main job in the ministry was running this program. Mm -hmm. But when I got there, obviously it takes time to revamp. So we had to like change some things. Um, We lived in a rainforest basically. And so our um, property had different houses that was all our property. So I lived in one house, but I did have like a house to myself, which was nice to be able to like, especially with a puppy to have the area and the space to have mine. And I was able, they didn't care what I did. I was able to like decorate. I even painted like a wall um, and just did like some awesome stuff to that house. But then also there was a family that lived on the property as well. And they have four children, three that are their biological. And then one um, Costa Rican daughter who they're still in the process of adopting. And so just being able to also while running this children's program every day, going and helping those kids with their um, homeschooling and to be able to grow relationships with these kids to the point where like they feel like they're my kids 
And um, so that was like really what the day-to-day life was, was just like going and helping with homeschooling in the morning, in the afternoon, going to do the children's program. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't have um, restaurants or anything like that. So we had to cook every single meal, which was very difficult because I hate cooking (laughs) with a passion. And so that was something that- This was like one of the sources of your greatest stress was like, how am I going to feed myself? It really was like, you have no idea how many peanut butter and jellies I ate, but (laughs) um, it definitely forced me out of my comfort zone where I was like looking up recipes and like, just having to find how do I do things with what's in Costa Rica? Cause you don't have access to the same materials, ingredients, spices, like any of that is not the same at all. And so just having to like, I would bake my own queso with like random stuff in the house because there was no queso. Like there was only blocks of cheese basically. There's so, no queso in the UK either. Can I just throw? Uh, they don't know what queso I is. I struggle. I struggle with it. It's I so sad. It. I know. I had to learn how to make it legit, and I had it like five times a week. No joke. Because I <laughs> ate it all the time. Um, and so, but yeah, so that was like my day to day life training my puppy, which was very interesting. Um, and then just like loving on the kids and loving on the family there and stuff like that. So that was what my like normal, every once in a while we'd go into the city where our other location was mm-hmm. and we would do like the feeding centers and stuff there, but it wasn't like an everyday type of thing. Yeah. And then, um, what led to you having to leave? So sad. Um, I know, RIP. Uh, I know for real. Um, so COVID happened, obviously. Yeah. So I moved there in February. Um, COVID happened in March. And so COVID didn't really hit Costa Rica, I would say, harder. I would say like three weeks behind. So I would say that's kind of how it stayed for a while. Is it was like a few weeks behind the um, United States. And so um, at the beginning of it, you know, we're like, Costa Rica's not even thinking about it at this point. Well, it got into April. And so a side note, something with Costa Rica and what I had to do is I had a tourist visa. So I could only be in Costa Rica for 90 days. And so at April point, it was almost getting to 60-ish days. So I had to book my flight to come back to the States. And I had to stay in the States for at least three days. And then I could fly back. Well, I'm starting to look at all this information. And this is when it started getting like more stressful because we're like, well, with COVID, like they started shutting things down. Like what if I leave and they don't let me back in? So this is when like all that stress started hitting and our ministry actually like our board of directors wanted all of us to go home. Like us, um, everyone except for the family that lived on the property because they mm-hmm. had residency. So they weren't on the six, uh, the 90 day thing. So they, they would be fine. Yeah. But they wanted us to go home just to be safe. And um, we had to shut down the ministry in April started with like all of our teams. So we had, this summer was supposed to be the most teams that came into our ministry ever. It was like over 30 teams and it was going to be the most hectic summer yet. So we were all like mentally preparing for it. And then teams started canceling. Um, it was actually an 1122 team was the last team to come um, right before COVID happened. And so they, um, so when all of those things started shutting down and then when they started doing like the um, quarantine and stuff is when we had to shut down the ministry because yeah. we weren't able to meet or do anything like that. And so that's when the question of like, okay, should we go back to America? Like, what are we doing? We don't, it was a lot to think about because when you are a missionary, you have supporters, like, you know, and so like yeah. when you have people supporting you, you want to make sure that the money that they're supporting you with is being used well. And so like, city in Costa Rica and we weren't able to do ministry per se um, where it was like going out into the community it was hard to kind of like okay we need to make sure we're using our supporters money in the right way and that we're using it effectively and for his glory but at the same time should we go back to America and all of the things that wrapped into that so after the, at the beginning, I felt very strongly, okay, God was telling me to stay in Costa Rica. At this time, though, we all thought it was going to blow over by May. And yeah. so... Oh, how I, naive we were. I know, for real. And so I... I also, our, the kids on the property were doing school still. And so we kind of basically came up with a game plan of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do 
from morning to night. This is the ministry I'm going to be doing. And that's going to be doing stuff on the property, like cleaning up, feeding animals, delivering food, um, teaching the kids. I actually started serving with 1122's mission team remotely and was doing stuff with them. And also um, I took like a Spanish course online. So really trying to like still be doing ministry. It was just different than what obviously we thought it was going to look like. And so um, once the kids' school ended, which happened in May, I want to say, um, this is when it hit hard. So I'd been there like a month, two months past the time of COVID happening. We're on quarantine. The only time we left the property was to go to the grocery store. And that was like once a week. And when the kids' school ended, this is when I kind of was like, okay, God, like I kind of re was starting to think through like, what was he telling me to do? Because a month beforehand, I was very confident that he was telling me to stay and help with the kids' schooling and all of these things. And so when it came to this point of, okay, school's over, the things I was doing, there's just not that much work to do anymore. There's only so much work you can do on a farm when there's like six, seven people working on it every single day. Yeah. And so um when I started praying about this and really I was feeling the tug that God was like okay I'm telling you to go back to Georgia um which that's a whole nother story because I never wanted to be in Georgia in the first place and so um but he was telling me like you need to spend time with your family right now and so through a lot of prayer and like hard conversations because I had a lot of guilt wrapped into that of feeling like okay like if I go back to the states am I like leaving Costa Rica dry like high and dry and am I like what are my supporters gonna think and like which are things you're not you shouldn't be thinking about but as a normal person we think about them and so um and so it was a very hard decision to make but just feeling the pull like over and over and over again I was like okay god like I definitely feel like you're calling me to go back to the states and so once that decision was made it was like a snowball effect. Since I had my dog with me, there's a lot to go with that when having to bring him to Costa Rica and then bring him back to the States. Mm -hmm. So I had to like get all the paperwork done and like go to the vet and all of these things very, very quickly. And then book a flight that was uber duper expensive and all of these things. Because at the time, like the U S embassy was the one that was controlling the flights going out of Costa Rica because the borders were closed. So like no one was allowed to enter. And so with all of that comes funny. So um, that was fun. But that was kind of the decision process of coming back to the States. In my mind, I was expecting to be here at the latest till August. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of just the process of deciding to come back and whatnot. Yeah. It's so hard. Like, and again, like you and I have talked about this, but I had a lot of the same stuff in the decision to go home, like just feeling guilty and feeling like a bit of a failure and feeling Mm -hmm. like, what are people going to think? And yeah, you can tell yourself all the time. And I know we've like both preached it to each other. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, but it's still like, it's, it's just in your head. And Yeah. And like also similarly, I thought, oh, I'll be home for like a month at most. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll only be a month and then I'll be coming back. And then like I was home four months and yeah, yeah, it's just, it's this year has just been way different than any of us could have ever anticipated. Mm -hmm. And preach. (laughs) So so you already shared that you're, um, zooming with me from um your home in Georgia so people clearly know that you are not back in Costa Rica which i know has like has grieved you and has been really hard to come to terms with so but are Costa Rica's borders still closed they're still closed but they actually just announced that they're opening in November okay so that just happened like a few days ago but there's okay. a lot of um, like stipulations that go with it. Like you have to have a negative test, a negative COVID test. Um, you have to have a certain insurance. And they're only stamping people for 40 days. Like they're not allowing tourists to stay longer. Um, so there's like a lot of different things with it right now. But they just announced that they're opening their borders back up. Okay. But like mm-hmm. 
you know, that was just done and you had to sort of make a decision. Of, was, mm-hmm. Has it been like a couple months now? Since I, I made the decision? Yeah. Like, well, because I guess what I'm getting at is you were facing this decision of like, okay, Costa Rica keeps pushing back the date that borders are going to open. So you were stuck because you couldn't return. Like legally, you wouldn't be able to get back or like get a flight. Oh, kitty. <laughs> My cat's <laughs> joining in. <laughs> um, so you had to make a choice because you couldn't just sit around and wait forever for the borders to open, not mm-hmm. knowing when that could be. Um, but like also not wanting to necessarily get life started back in the States if you were going to be going back. So you yep. had to make that choice. So let's hear a bit about that. <laughs> Um, so it's hard because still not a lot of people talk like I know about this. And so it's like the important people do, but not everybody. So it's so weird to be like, now after this, everyone can hear it. Well, um, and, um, but, we can edit anything out. So if you don't want to share, oh, I don't care. it's okay. Not <laughs> no, that I like, care. I mean, we don't have some huge audience, so <laughs> <laughs> you will one day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they basically like, um, like you were saying is, when I got back, I assumed I got back in the beginning of May and I assumed the latest was August. Like I really thought it was going to be sooner, but the latest would be August. And so with that in my mind, I'm still like, okay, I need to make sure I get Boone, my dogs, like vet records in place, like all of these things and preparing, like um, looking at flights and all these things. Well, in this time frame, to be like very honest and vulnerable, like I wasn't doing anything and it started getting me in a very like, depressed state um for multiple reasons like I'm in Georgia like we said and I'm not from here I'm from Florida I lived in Florida before I moved to Costa and like my friends and life were in Jacksonville Florida and so to be in Georgia was hard because I literally knew nobody other than my family mm-hmm. and so um and to literally be home all day with nobody to see or talk to really and it was just very a difficult time. And so after about a month, I would say of being here, I still having the unknown, like basically I got to the point where I just made it not in my brain. I was like, I'm done thinking about if I'm going to coast or not. Like when it happens, it happens. I'm just going to sit and where I'm at right now, basically, Mm -hmm. and just not progress. It's kind of where my mind was. And then, um, so then at that point, I was like, okay, I need to get a job. Like I need to do something, even if it's just temporary. So I got like an easy, um, flexible job that got me out of the house. Like I was doing something, which helped a lot because it helped with my mental state of just, okay, I'm out of the house. I'm making yeah. money. So I felt like I was doing something. And I also, while this entire time, just to preface it, while I was in the States, like my supporters um, were aware of my plans and like what mm-hmm. they were, what I was doing. And I asked them I, during the time frame, like, while I'm in the States, would you please continue giving to the ministry? But it will give straight to the ministry. None mm-hmm. of it I'll touch um, because our ministry was in a very, very hard financial state. And so to be able to support our Costa Rican staff members and to still help families and stuff. So during this time, my supporters were still supporting, like, the ministry in, in Costa Rica. Um, and so while I was making money, it was just helping pay for like day to day things while in America, like yeah. random stuff, gas and stuff like that. And so also I didn't have a car because <laughs> like I said, I sold yeah. my car. And so I was, um, driving my mom's car while working and stuff like that. And so, cause my parents were at home and they didn't need it. Well, about a month later, it was the beginning of July. Um, I still was like, just not doing great like it got to the point where I was like get up in the morning and I would just like go lay on the couch all day long um I just wasn't in a good spot and I was like okay I still like my mind is not doing well at being stagnant which is what it felt like I was doing that I basically and like that's not what the Lord wants us to do either like he wants us to still be growing and like flourishing where he has us in that very moment and so I was not doing well at that at all And so, um, I got the opportunity to help a volleyball team, which I used to play volleyball and I love volleyball. And so it's a school that's right down the road. My mom had connections with the coaches. And so I basically just met with them and they were like, yeah, we'd love to help. And so I was like, awesome. Like, this would be cool. Like I can meet people, be involved in a community. 
and still have like fill my time basically. Yeah. After that, they ended up asking me to like come on full coaching, like come on as an actual coach. And so that was a big, that was the first like big commitment I made with being here. And it was, even though it was just until November, it was still a big commitment because that was basically saying like, there's no way I'm going to Costa Rica before November. Mm-hmm. And at this time, there still was no sight of when the borders were opening. Um, we started assuming that they weren't going to open until 2021. And so um, this is with this time frame, the July is when I started thinking about, okay, God, like, are you wanting me to go back to Costa Rica? Because right now you're opening a lot of doors in Georgia. And um, I don't even want to be in Georgia. So why are you opening doors in Georgia? And so this began like that thought process. And so in that prayer and after weeks of not wanting to pray about it and kind of forcing myself not to pray about it um, and even think about it because I just didn't want to make the decision. I started realizing the opportunity to go back to school and pursue teaching, which was what I was going to do last year before Costa Rica and like the desire to actually want to go back to school was there, which mm-hmm. Jesse can say that uh, this time last year, I never wanted to go back to school. <laughs> I was like, don't even ask me about school. Don't even, I even said, I'll never live in Georgia. Like, yeah, I need to stop saying never because God yeah. just like doesn't. <laughs> and so this is when I really started praying about like, okay, God, like what do you have next for me? And I never would have thought it was to not go back to Costa Rica because I truly was looking at this time as like temporary. But when God started like opening more and more doors in Georgia without even me looking, it wasn't something I could just like not pray about and not think about. And so um, I could tell he was telling me that it's crazy. It almost felt like he made me go to Costa Rica, sell everything, go through COVID and everything to be in Georgia because there's no way I would have lived in Georgia voluntarily. Yeah. And so when I started realizing that, it was like, okay, God, like, I love Costa Rica, and I love the people, but the desire to be on mission there just wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I had to determine, like, okay, God, is this desire a selfish desire? Like, is this just because I don't want to go through the process of doing it? Or is this a desire that you're giving me and that you're telling me? And so with just more and more prayer, literally like weeks and weeks of like not talking to anybody, which probably wasn't the best idea, but I just like, oh, had a lot of shame again in that decision process because worried about what people are going to think yep. and worried about like the thought is, am I still doing missions and all of these things when we know, like we live our life on mission every yeah. day. It doesn't matter where we're at or what we're doing or what country we're in, but it's still all of these things. It's of course the enemy, like putting these thoughts in our brains and like, yeah. you're not doing this. That means you're not living for the Lord and all of these things. And so once I finally got past all of that is when I was like, okay, God, like I can definitely tell you're telling me to go back to school, pursue teaching. Um, the like the love and the relationships I've made with like these girls on my volleyball team have been like something unreal. Yeah. Um, and just to be able to, to like sew into them and to be like a good leader for them and mentor and stuff has been really awesome. And so I've been seeing all of these things lately of like, God's like, I knew what I was doing. Like mm-hmm. I had you where I had you on purpose like I already knew you were going to be doing this I already knew you were going to be coaching and like there's relationships you would have and I ended up finding even a church up here through volleyball one of the um coaches and it's a church very similar to 1122 which is just crazy because I didn't think that was a thing yeah (laughs) and um and so it's just been super cool to see God's hand in everything when I obviously never thought this was my plan ever and so um when finally making that decision and then telling six eight ministries like where I was because I was keeping them updated but at the same time I was just scared to talk about like where I was at yeah because all of those feelings of like am I leaving them open-handed like what am I doing like what about what are they going to do without my job like me not being there with the job position that I was filling 
And um, just all of these, like, what if were popping into my head. And something I love about 68 and the ministry is how much they are in support of, like, we want you where God wants you. Mm-hmm. And if, like, you're telling us right now that God wants you in Georgia, then that's where we want you. Like, we don't want you here if he wants you in Georgia. And so that was a good thing, but still hard, just, like, hard conversation. And they already, like, they knew on their end, they were like, we already kind of had a feeling we knew what you were doing, which I look at that as being like God's grace that he was already preparing them as well, that like, I wasn't going to come back, but still just like the hard feelings with that. And then God being who he is and being so gracious, like a week later, um, one of the girls I've met in Costa, who's American, she came there last summer and I got really close with her she decided that she's going to move out there next year and do my job, which is just like, so cool. Like that's all I can think about. Cause I'm yeah. like, I'm over here worried that I'm like leaving them with no one and that like, who's going to help them. And of course it's someone that God's already been preparing mm-hmm. for all of this time. And like, he used me in the season that was needed there and he's not going to use her in the season that he has for her there. And so it's just, it's super cool how like God's like, I got this. Like, why are you stressing? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, so, and like, but we still do, don't we? Like, <laughs> I know. I still think about it all the time. <laughs> but like, I think there's like such a lie in our heads. And I struggle with this a lot too, that like mission in Costa Rica is somehow more valid than mission mm-hmm. in the States or mission in some other like developed nation, you know, like that it is somehow um, like you get more heaven points if you decide that you're going to go to Costa Rica and do mission. And like, I know that a lot of that was what was floating around in your head too. Like, I'm not really, I'm not like following God's call to be on mission if I'm, you know, back in the Atlanta suburbs. Like, how Mm -hmm. is that? But like you you working with these teenage girls like is such a mission like what did it what like I think about myself and like how cool that would have been to have somebody who's just like I don't like five years older than me or whatever that is like investing in my life like (laughs) investing in me and like coaches are so influential like Mm-hmm. you hear so many people talk about their coaches and like what their coaches meant to them. And now like going back and getting your master's and pursuing teaching, like it's, it, it is such a mission field, like such a mission field. And just because it's in, in, it, in the suburbs of Atlanta doesn't mean that it's less valid than it would have been working with orphans in Costa Rica. Mm, for sure. And I think it's, a lot of it has to do with like own ideas that we've put in our own heads that like God hasn't put there, but yeah. we put in our mind like, Oh, missions is going to a different country. Yeah. And reality, I obviously support and love international missions, but there's people in America that need Jesus too. And so it's having to put in the mindset that God's called everybody to a different mission field. Mm -hmm. And just because someone like you is called to Wales and like I was called to Costa Rica for a season and I might go back later in life. um, It doesn't mean that he's not calling me to the mission field now of North Atlanta with these girls and with these teenagers and to teach and stuff like that. And so it's, having to change that mindset, which I think is going to take a while to change fully. Um, But it's to know that like, we just need to be where God wants us to be. Mm -hmm. And if God wants me to be in Georgia, then that's where I need to be. And so it's, that's reassuring and like peace giving to say that and think that, but at the same time, like the enemy is always takes it and tries to change it and contort it and use other people to do that. Um, but having to remember like the true people in our lives that are going to like, sow and tell us truth and stuff like that, reminding us like, Hey, you're still on a mission field. It's just different than what you thought it looked like. Yeah. And it reminds me too of the, um, the story of Abraham in the Bible being called to sacrifice his son. Like God wanted him to be willing to do it. Like I think of you, like 
you sold your stuff, you did the move, like you were ready to do that for however long God wanted you to. And like, sometimes God just wants us to make the steps and be ready Mm -hmm. and willing but like, it's not always necessarily what he has planned for the long term for us. Like sometimes it's mm-hmm. just, yes, God, I will do this. I will go where you call me. And then he's like, actually, I'm calling you to Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's like the mindset of just saying yes and being yeah. like hands wide open. I like to say that a lot. Just like literally ready for whatever he has and to be okay with whatever that is, even if it's yeah. something that we didn't think and. And to like live our whole lives like that. Like it's not just this season. It's not just with missions, but that's with like every decision. Like, okay, God, like just leave me where you want me. And where yeah. is that now? And it can change again in three more months or whatever, you know, but just being like ready for whatever he has and yeah. where he wants us to be. Yeah. So good. Um, so I know we're like approaching when you have to um, go off to work. I'm super excited to see you soon because you're coming back to the state soon. I know. It's crazy. I know I'm going to have to plan a trip up there. I haven't been to Atlanta yes, in years. girl, come on. Let's go. Um, I live like on the edge of the mountain. So it's like really close to like Helen and everything. Yeah. I'm going to need yep. to come because I'm going to be missing the mountains. I know. Oh my gosh. I love I it. I drove an hour north last weekend and I was like deep in the mountains and I was like, oh. I love it. So good. So good. Um, oh, do you want to um, plug your new business? Oh, yes. I would love to plug my new business. So also, because I'm just not busy enough, um, <laughs> me and my mom started a new sticker company. And so it is called Crosby Sticks because my name is Alexis Crosby. So it's um, at Crosby, C-R-O-S-B-Y dot six s-t-i-x on instagram and facebook um it's on all the things um uh it's been so much fun we've only been open for about three weeks i would say but it's um it's been a really cool avenue to create stickers that are for the lord but in a good conversational piece if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah. Um, to have someone be able to like, hey, what does that mean? And that you could share the gospel and that sticker, which has been super cool. And then just to be able to connect with more people um, all around the United States has been really awesome just to be able to do that and start a new yeah. business and have something that fills more of my time. But doing it with my mom, too, has been really cool. So, yeah, yeah go follow us. Yeah. And we also do um, custom stickers. So I would say like, more than 50% of our in, our orders have been custom, which has been super cool just to have people like, hey, this is what my idea. This is what I wanted. Could you make it happen? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. So, so it's cool. been really cool. They're they're adorable and you should mm-hmm. definitely reach out to them. I'll um, put it in the show notes too. I'm pointing down like there's show notes I know, below the show notes. <laughs> But I'll put it in the show notes so that people can follow it. So yeah, we even mail internationally. Jesse's was mailed today. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're good wherever. It's just a simple envelope. So, yeah, go check us out. Yay. I'm excited for you. Well, this has been so fun, and we need to have, like, a separate proper catch-up because um, I miss you. But Miss you. So good to chat, and I'm glad that people will get to hear a little bit more of your story. So. Me too. Thanks for taking the time out. Of course. Thanks for having me.